I want to turn your attention again to our series. It just is so rich, so deep. We're talking about drawing near to God. James 4, 8. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We've talked about us drawing near, what that looks like. But what does it look like when God begins to draw near? How is he working among us? And what is he doing in your life, in your family? How does it... Um, appear and what should you be looking for you know sometimes we we can easily miss god did you know jesus when he came to this earth the rulers didn't even know who he was he, jesus the son of god they they had the scriptures but they couldn't translate the scriptures that jesus was the one that the scripture spoke of and how often are people blinded many times by the things of the world, by their own sinful nature or whatever their pursuits are in life to the very presence of God in their life? How many know the Lord is everywhere? He's always near. He's never far away. But we're talking about the manifest presence of God, the manifest presence of God, how important that is to you, to the body of Christ. And how when his presence is near, he begins to work in miraculous ways. Isaiah chapter 26, and this is going to be our study today on this subject of him drawing near to us. Listen to this. Psalm 26 verse 9, with my soul I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me I will seek you early. For when your judgments, here it is, listen to this, when your judgments are in the earth, everybody say your judgments. Now when we think of the judgments of God, we think of certain things. We think of wrath and things like that, and it does include that, but that's not altogether what the judgments of God are. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. I thank you, God, that through your word, you break the hard places of our lives, and you you break open fallow ground, and you sow your word that it might bring forth fruit. Thank you for the dream that you gave me, that your word is taking center stage in all those churches, Lord, that will hear you, all those pastors among those who preach your name, and you will draw people to you, Lord. You will produce the fruit. You will produce the end-time harvest. We pray for it now, God, in this house. We pray for more churches to plant, more missionaries to send, more five-fold leaders, and wonderful members of this congregation who sit as your ecclesia, your ruling body, your kingdom branch in the earth. We give you thanks for it all. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray, and everyone said, amen. So God is drawing near. What does it look like? His promises. We talked about his promises. They begin to break forth in your life and for the church. God begins to bring forth promises that he gave to you. How many know some promises, it takes a while 
for those promises to manifest. Some happen immediately. You must be patient for all of those things and not uh, be discouraged about what we feel is slackness when it comes to God fulfilling his promises. Sons and daughters are birthed into the kingdom of God. I mean true born-again experiences where people repent of sin and they are really sorry that they live the way they lived and they are converted and they walk with God and they live for God as sons and daughters who honor the Lord and live for him. They are empowered and raised up and sent, these sons and daughters, as children of light into a dark world. This is what happens when God, you know things are happening in the kingdom of God. When the Spirit of God is drawing near and people are being touched by the Lord. Last Sunday, I was praying with a a young lady that came forward, and I was just talking to her about her relationship with the Lord, and tears, tears just began to fall off of her cheeks. And I, I understand the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful to have the Holy Spirit. See, that's what happens when Jesus is near. There's no conviction when the Holy Spirit is grieved. There's none. In fact, that's when error begins to manifest when there's no conviction of sin. So we must have the presence of God. Remember, the Holy Spirit has come to convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And so these are very important things when it comes to God drawing near. And when you are in a church that believes that, that is very that should be very comforting to you, very comforting to you. He also, when he begins to draw near, manifests his glory among his people. That is his tangible, manifest presence in our midst. Somebody say amen. Did you feel the presence of God move in today? I mean, just just begin to expand almost. And and as a, as a son and a daughter of God, the Lord wants you to to feel welcome in his presence and to petition him in his presence and to talk to him about things that concern you because it's his manifest glory that he wants you to enjoy. He reserves his manifest glory for his ecclesia, his church, his called out body of believer. believers. No one else in the world has the privilege that you do of experiencing the manifest presence of God. That's why it's a value of mine. Many pastors, I don't know why, you know, and I get it. It's, 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 it's about entertainment and how many you can draw and whatever. If only, I pray God just changed their heart to a presence-driven church instead of an entertainment-driven church or whatever it is, a religious kind of organization. The Lord wants to manifest his glory when he draws near, but he also wants to manifest miraculous miracles, miracles of power and, and healings and deliverances and freedom uh, of the Spirit among his people and those that gather. So these are very, very important things. But today I want to talk about when God draws near, so do his judgments in the nations. Now, this is a big subject. When you talk about nations, it just seems so big. Nations, there's so many. And it's around the world. How many know that Jesus is interested in every nation on the face of the earth? He is, he loves the nations. And we read this morning in our prayer time here, right here at 930. You can come anytime and be a part at 930 every Sunday morning, be a part of our intercession. And God gave me Psalm 2, that the, the nations are his inheritance. And so 
God is interested in how these nations are run. He is interested in, in how these people that he died for are treated. Did you know that? The Lord does not look favorable upon oppressive governments. He does not. And we can see that throughout history, through biblical history, how the Lord would remove kings, he would remove leaders, and he has. But he also raises up good government. Romans 13 tells us that God will punish evildoers, but he will bless those who do righteousness. And this is concerning the governments of nations. It doesn't matter. It's our nation too. How many understand we love our nation? So we want things to run correctly and in order and aligned with the will of God. And you and I are the ones that make that happen. Did you know that? If we just, if we just leave our government to darkness and people that don't know God, guess what? Get, darkness is going, it's going to flood in. You know, that's why they say, oh, a separation of church and state. No, there's no separation of anything when it comes to God's kingdom and the, and the rule of the earth. Somebody say amen. No separation at all. Come on, give God praise. See, this is where pastors, I think they get it all wrong. Well, I just don't want to offend people. No, you, the reason why you offend people is because you make it political. If you make it about the kingdom of God and righteousness and people ruling according to the will of God, how many know God created government and he wants good government? Did you know the government is upon the shoulders of Jesus, not Satan? And so we rule and reign with Jesus according to Revelation chapter 2. Somebody say amen. Ooh, I could go there. I could go there. So when God draws near, so do his judgments in the nations, and the, and the inhabitants learn righteousness. So let me, let me explain what that looks like. What does that look like? Let's look at the word judgments. The word judgments just simply means God's rulings. God has declared things. How many understand that there's one, of, one of God's rulings is if whatever you sow, that you'll reap. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. If you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, you reap life. Somebody say amen. That is a judgment in the earth. That is God's judgment. So you have to look at God's decrees, God's rulings, his decisions about things. He said that a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and those two shall become one flesh. It's marriages between a man and a woman. And there are only two genders, by the way. Somebody said, when people start perverting the, the decisions and the judgments of God, there are consequences. And they're not good consequences. But when people like you and I, when we, when we stand with joy, somebody say amen. We stand with joy. We're not angry with anybody. I'm not angry with anybody. Somebody say amen. I'm angry with the devil, I'll tell you that much, and his demons. But that's about it. Somebody say Amen. His verdicts about things, that is his sentences, what he says in the earth. Psalm 19, verse 9 says, the fear of the Lord is clean. That, that'll preach right there. I, I won't even go, but you've got to study that. Enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The word judge, krenos, 
means, that is in the, in the Hebrew, to separate, to make distinction between, to exercise judgment upon, to estimate, to bring to trial, to be brought to account. How many know that God is the judge? Jesus is the judge. He sits and he rules over nations. This should give you hope. If you begin to run for office or if you run for office, you need to run out of the energy and strength that Jesus is the judge. It doesn't matter what wicked people do. You stay strong. I know you fight. I know sometimes you grow weary. I do too because I'm fighting for the church. I'm fighting in the seven mountains. How many understand of influence in our nation? One of them being government. It's a big source of control over people. And the Lord wants people to do it right and not be oppressive. But he sits as judge. It should encourage you to run. It should encourage you to become a part of the school system. Somebody say amen. Teachers, entertainment world. Somebody say amen. We need righteous people in the mountain of arts and entertainment, in the media. How many righteous people do we need in the media? How many more? Somebody say amen. So God, he is the judge. And this is who we are. We are the ruling body of believers. I believe when the, when the, when the church agrees with the judge of heaven and earth, that's when things begin to happen in the earth. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in the heavens. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And that's just not about spiritual things, and it should be about that, absolutely. We know that there are principalities and powers manipulating people, overseeing things, and trying to cause things to go in the opposite direction of what God would want. But when God's church steps in, and we are ruling and reigning with Christ, how many know when you resist the devil, he will flee? That's just not on a personal level. That is on a corporate level as well. How many understand what I'm saying? How many do not understand what I'm saying? Don't raise your hand. How many of this might be the first time you've heard something like this from the pulpit? Because we have to learn to reign and rule with Christ as well as reach the lost. Somebody say amen. John 5, 22 says, listen to this. This is powerful about judgment. Did you know this? The Father has committed all judgment to the Son. So, what does that mean? So, in the Old Testament, we saw so much incredible judgment. I mean, look at Moses, the Red Sea, Pharaoh. I mean, you talk, you, the plagues. When we think about the judgments of God, you know, that's what we think about. Oh, you know, but now, all the judgments of God are committed to the Son. Somebody say amen. So now, he not only reigns and rules over the nations, he is able to begin to speak to individuals by the Holy Spirit. He is able to speak to you about conviction of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That had never happened until Jesus died, rose again, and sent the Holy Spirit who does these things. He has committed all judgment, not only of individuals. And you are very important to God, and he wants you to learn righteousness. He wants you to understand the things of God. Those of you watching, he wants you to understand that he is for you, not against you. He is for you, not against you. He will help you discern, navigate through any trial, any temptation, any problem. He will forgive you if you fail. He will work with you while you're down. He will get you back up, dust you off, and get you going again. Somebody say amen. 
This is the power of God. This is why God has committed all judgment to Jesus. He is able to do this. The Father has committed all judgment to the Son. Jesus chooses to work with his church and through his church in the earth. Somebody say amen. So remember, remember what Jesus said to his disciples? He said, when you forgive somebody, I forgive them. And when you withhold forgiveness, I will withhold forgiveness. What does that even mean? Remember that in the book of John? It's right there. And I'm thinking, God, I don't want to withhold, unfor- uh, withhold forgiveness for someone. There may be a time. I've never had that. I've always had to work through forgiveness. There's no excuse for unforgiveness, by the way. It will bind you up. But there's something about the government of God in the earth. There are certain moments when God says, enough. And he is done with certain things. And just like he told his prophets, do not pray any longer for that anymore. How how many understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying that happens every day. That does not. In fact, I don't want it to ever happen to me. But if it does, I will hear what God has to say. But in the meantime, I know the heart of Jesus is that all people would be saved. Somebody say amen. I know the heart of Jesus that all people would be filled with the Holy Spirit. I know he wills not any should perish, but all come to repentance. But there has to be some idea of the fear of God. There has to be the awe and the trembling with rejoicing in the presence of God. People don't have a fear of God today. Why don't they have a fear of God? Because we haven't been taught about the very presence of God in the earth and how his judgments... When his judgments are in the earth, people will learn righteousness, not unrighteousness, not callousness and anger. Jesus has committed his reigning and ruling to us. He he is the king. He is the judge. And all judgment has been committed to him, but he has chosen to work with us. Look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. Assuredly, I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Is that not a powerful statement? you got to think about this. So whatever you pray, the Lord is saying yes to. That's why it's so important to have a heart for God. So important to have a tender heart toward the Lord. A tender heart toward his word. You know, we don't do anything out of malice. We do it out of of a heart of love and forgiveness. But nevertheless, we still have a tenacious uh, desire to see his kingdom come. Again, I say to you, listen to this, whatever, if, if two of you shall agree on earth concerning anything that they shall ask, <laughs> it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So it's very important to be in tune with the Father when it comes to his judgments in the earth. Remember when when Paul... He got a little aggravated at that woman, that little that girl, that woman that was demonized. That was, I mean, she was saying all the right things. These are men come from God. This is in the book of Acts. These are men, they preach the word of God righteously or whatever. And oh, day after day, she's saying this, but she had a spirit of divination. And finally, Paul just cast the demon out and then she was set free. And all of the people were in an uproar because she brought gain to her masters. And isn't that interesting? Once you touch people's money, they just go mad. Demons manifest. Remember when, when Paul was encouraging the, the proconsul 
and one of the first missionary journeys, him and Barnabas, and the man was so persuaded to give his heart to the Lord, but there was another guy whispering in his ear and said, ah, don't listen to them, don't listen to them. And, and Paul just put blindness on the guy. That's New Testament. That's not Old Testament. Somebody said, why? Because the Lord wanted him to know that you are blind. Shut your mouth. And the proconsul got saved. I mean, no, he blinded Paul the apostle too, who became the greatest apostle. So his judgments are right. When his judgments are in the earth, people learn righteousness. The inhabitants learn righteousness. You know, we think of God, he's just a big fluffy God up in the sky, and we can just crawl up in his lap and feel so good. Yes, you can. But he is a God of judgment. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right. For where two or three are gathered in my name, listen to this, there I am in the midst of them. Is he here to come on? Give the Lord praise. He's right here. That's why it's so important for you to come. It's so important for you to be in the house of God because there you carry an authority with the believers that we don't altogether carry in, in, a, in a way as individuals. It is us together as the ecclesia, the ruling called out body of believers. Very powerful. So God is looking for agreement with his judgments, his rulings, his decisions, his verdicts, his sentences in the earth. Why? To bring kingdom rule. This isn't about Republican or Democrat, even though, you know, we vote with people who favor the word of God more. Now, they're not going to perfectly align most of the time, but those who do, praise God. That's why you need to go and you need to run. You need to run. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to run. Oh, that wasn't too good. Say it better. Say it with more conviction. You need to run. You need to run. Run where? Run for office. I don't care what. Just whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Praise God. We may have a president in our midst. Somebody say amen. We may have senators and congressmen and women. Somebody shout judges. Whoa, would that be awesome? Come on. To, to bring the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's the kingdom of God liberates. Men oppress. Men want to control. Demons want to control. Principalities, evil principalities, they want to control. But God liberates. God sets free. And God loves when people are able to choose him and worship him in freedom and in liberty. Somebody say amen. Is this not the will of God for all nations? Yes, it is. It is the will of God for all nations. And and men and demon principalities oppose it. And it's a church that shattered the plans of the enemy. All right, I'm almost done. For now. <laughs> Matthew 6, 10 says, Your, this is how Jesus taught us to pray. Did he not teach us to pray this way? We want to pray it in a poetic, feel-good way, and I do. I pray it in a feel-good way. How many understand? The kingdom of God is in my heart. The kingdom is within you. The kingdom is within you. The authority of God, the dominion of God is within you, but it's also in my family. Somebody say amen. It's also in this house, in this church. 
the dominion of God. Listen, your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done, Father, in earth as it is, is, is in heaven. And here I am in the earth, and I want your kingdom, your dominion, your power. I want your authority. Not for my benefit, Lord. I already experience your freedom. Not only for my benefit, I should say, but for those that are oppressed and those that need to be saved, healed, filled with the Holy Spirit. How many know Jesus will heal people through you? He's working through you. He's working with you. If you will work, he will work. Somebody say amen. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in the heavens. I wish every church would preach. I wish every pastor would preach stuff like this. We could transform our nations and the nations. We could transform our nation, I should say. When his judgments are in me, the kingdom of heaven comes to the earth and the nations will learn righteousness, not lawlessness. You and I, his church, is a powerful weapon against the kingdom of darkness. If we don't oppose the kingdom of darkness and the tyrannical rule of men, who will? Many Christians have lost their lives. They have become martyrs in their generation. And how many understand when that ha Oh, boy. Do not touch the Lord's anointed because he'll flip everything. He will flip it all. Somebody say amen. He will flip a nation to righteousness just like that when you start touching his anointed. That's why, you know, the church, if the church would just stand up and be courageous, we could turn everything around in this nation. Everything. When his judgments are in me, when his judgments are in the church, when we understand that powerful, we are a powerful weapon against the kingdom of darkness, when we agree, when his judgments are in the earth, when we just say yes to the word of God, to the promises of God, and the inhabitants will learn righteousness. This is a, this is a promise of God. It's just like any other promise. He says it, and they are yes and amen. We learned that last week. Remember, all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. This is me pulling it in. When you see me do this, I'm pulling things in right now. When, you, when I'm worshiping, sometimes I'm just, I'm just pulling it in, and I'm establishing things in my life. When I'm worshiping with you, I am, I, I'm in the throne. I am in the throne room of God. I'm pulling things in for the, for the glory of God. This is why the enemy works to destroy the church. Did you know the gates of hell will not prevail against the church? It will not. You tell the devil that. You know, I know there's a lot of churches closing. Jesus closes churches, by the way, who do not represent him. They have lost their fire. They have lost their saltiness. They have lost their light. They go away. But I tell you, he raises up godly men and women that stand in pulpit without fear, and the church will be built. He looked at Peter and he said, on this rock, I will build my church. And guess what he did? He looked at Peter and he said, you are a little part of the rock, but a part of the rock nonetheless. Somebody say amen. And so the kingdom of God, I told you I'd stop here in a minute. I will. I promise. Keep going. All right. All right. I'll try. I'll try. It's 12 o'clock. I'm telling you. All right, almost, almost, almost done. Almost. Here we go. We render the kingdom of darkness powerless. But the enemy wants to render us powerless through compromise, through sin, through apathy, indifference. 
and keep you from being apart. Listen, if he can keep you out of the assembly, which is very important to him, he said on, listen, Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia, my church. Did you know the, just the, just that word should say, well, I do need to gather. I am not the church individually. I'm just a believer with all the rights, authority, and power that Jesus gives me. But we are the body of Christ. We are the church. You are an important part of the church. And Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. That is, when we see the gates of hell, hell, not hell, but hell, just when we see strongholds in Washington, D.C., we shred those strongholds. We shred the strongholds by our prayers and by our declarations. Why are we devaluing things many times and not coming and not being a part or not standing and not being in the assembly? For many reasons. There's many reasons, and many of them are legit, and I get it. I understand as far as health goes and other things, but why? I believe the devil wants to diminish the body of Christ. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 8, verse well, I don't even know what, what chapter it is. What chapter? If he, I got Ephesians 8 through 12. Whatever that chapter is, I don't even know. All right. That I, Paul, should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery from which from the beginning of the ages, listen to this, this is how important you are as the church, has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus to the intent that now, everybody say now, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known how? By the church to whom? Principalities and powers in the heavenlies. That's why the devil doesn't want you to hear a message like this because he knows you can change everything in the earth. Hallelujah. And bring the kingdom of God according to the eternal purpose. That is, God has purposed this from the beginning, the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith. Come on up here, Tara, worship team. Now let me conclude. Bring down those lights. The manifold wisdom of God is made, made known through us. Woo, that's a big responsibility. And, you know, principalities and powers, they're, you know, yeah, they want to control, they want to control the PTA. They want to, con- if there is a PTA anymore, they want, you know, school boards, all of that. But, but listen, he definitely wants to disarm you as the body of Christ and make you think that you're assembling together and prayers for your nation, prayer for your family and loved ones and agreement with fivefold leaders and things that God wants to do in the earth doesn't matter. Your voice doesn't matter. Don't ever say that about yourself. Well, my prayers are not that big. I, you know, I just, if he can, if the devil can silence you through deception, he will. But your voice is so vital. You carry authority. You are sons and daughters of light. You are the light of the earth. You have to understand this. Do you understand? How many understand? Come on, raise your hand. Everybody, just raise your hand. I may not understand it all, but I believe it. All right. We spoil. Listen to this. We disarm darkness and wickedness. 
Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 says this, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. That's what Jesus did. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Listen to this. He disarmed, spoiled principalities and powers. Oh, hallelujah. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in the very thing that they thought were gonna was going to crush Jesus. He triumphed over them in the very thing, death and in the grave. And Jesus just crushes it all and comes out of the grave, you know, and he just appears to humble Mary, you know, a few women. Come on. Jesus knows who he is. You got to know who you are got to stand in great confidence. You don't have to win the world. Just win the people around you and just start casting out demons wherever you go. Somebody say amen. All right, stand with me. Oh, wow, wow, wow. All right. I did have a little bit more. Close your eyes. The Lord wants you to see some things right now. He wants you to see that you are in the armor of light. You are arrayed for the battle. In the physical, you may feel like you're weak. But in your weakness, His strength is made perfect. You are arrayed for the battle. And so, so choose to fight and, and fight in faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Whatever the battle is, it can be a number of things. It could be for your health. It could be for a relationship. It could be for a loved one. It could be for your nation. I tell you, I have a big burden for our nation, for those of you who know me very well. I have a big burden. I don't know if if pastors really have this or not. I hope I want them to, but I do. But you are arrayed as children of light. And he wants you to see the principalities and powers that are arrayed against you in the church. He wants you to see that. But he doesn't want you to be afraid of that because you are above that. You see, your vision was from the earth. You were looking up at the principalities. No, you do not fight from down here on the earth. You fight from a place of victory in the throne room. Come on, somebody. That's why he said the devil and principalities evil is under your feet. Hit that note. Praise God. That was awesome, Lord. You know, anyway, I won't go there. All right. I won't go there. Your voice is a mighty weapon, the Lord says. It is a mighty weapon. Do not minimize your voice. Never minimize your voice. You speak to those things in your family that are that are contrary to the will of God. The enemy is attacking. The enemy is trying to bring bad news, trying to hurt somebody, trying to harm somebody, trying to lie. place that is under your feet hallelujah 
Jesus gives you all power and authority. Declare this with me right now. Hallelujah. Let me get to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great judgments in the earth. I agree with your judgments in the earth. And the people will learn righteousness, right standing with you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I believe in your word, in your judgments. They are just, and they are right, and they are good, and they are good for people. You have committed all judgment to the Savior. And Jesus loves people. Convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come so that people will learn righteousness. Thank you that you reign and rule over my life, in my heart, in my family, in your church. In the mighty name, the glorious name, the matchless name, the name that is above every name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, give God praise. Hallelujah.